I'd like to thank, uh, thank Alan for such a very kind introduction. And uh, it wasn't all true, but it was very kind nonetheless. <laughs> and it is a privilege to be back here with you at uh, Southern Adventist University. At, I'm delighted and honored that um, some of you came out. And we are looking forward to our program in the fall and uh, hope that you'll be now praying for that series where we're going to be looking at what the ultimate purpose is and talking about how to take it from theory to experience in your Christian life. Um, in our time this weekend, I'd just like to talk to you from my heart about what I think is uh, really something that is very important that we forget, and that is the truth that God is much nearer than we think. It's easy for us to forget the presence of God. Years ago when I was living up in the mountains, um, I kind of feel like I'm in the mountains now, these beautiful bushes here. <laughs> um, I remember reading a book someone gave me and it talked about practicing the presence of God. And they said that if you could come to the place where you could just really believe in and recognize that God is with you all of the time, the Christian life is a delight and it's really the key to knowing and loving Jesus and that's where the power comes from. But sometimes we become so preoccupied with our horizontal perspective that we forget how God really, how close God really is. Because after all, there are so many people in the world, and the world is so big, and the universe is so big, God must be so busy. I heard something that it's really not new news, but I read it more thoroughly for the first time just this last year about a fascinating experiment that happened with the, the Hubble telescope a few years ago where, uh, you know, it costs a lot of money to focus that telescope for a period of time in some direction, and, and the various learning institutions and universities, they want to rent time. It's very expensive, takes a lot of energy. And they decided to do something a little risky. They said, we're going to focus the telescope at a part of the sky where we don't think there is anything. And so they found a piece of the sky, I believe it was near the Big Dipper, and for you and I, it would be a piece of the sky about the size of a grain of rice when you hold it out at arm's length. That's all the sky that it covered. And they locked down the telescope, and they focused on this one spot and opened the aperture for 10 days to capture enough light. They said, we may get a whole lot of nothing, but let's find out what happens. And after leaving the telescope focused there for 10 days, they evaluated those light images that had transferred, and they found that in that little spot, the size of a piece of rice at arm's length, there were 3,000 galaxies, and each galaxy, they calculate as an average, has 200 billion stars. Well, a few years later, they upgraded the Hubble telescope, and they thought, let's try this again. And so now they, this was 2004, they focused the telescope at another part of the sky in the constellation Orion, about the same size. Matter of fact, they said it was more like the size of a grain of sand. And they left it open, I think, for 11 days this time. 
And what do you think they found? They found a piece of sky where they thought they would see nothing. With their Earth-based telescopes, it was blackness. And they focused it there to capture all the light for 11 days, and they found 10,000 galaxies in what they thought was nothing. Keep in mind, galaxies can have millions of stars, some as many as a trillion stars, so they average it out to 200 billion stars. That's a big universe. Some calculations are that the observable universe is 24 billion light years across, meaning if you travel the speed of light 186,000 miles per second, you won't get a ticket because they can't catch you. No. It means that if you go that speed, think about how far you go in a second, 186,000 miles, it's going to take you 25 billion light years to get across that. That's just mind-boggling, and our God made all of that, and we probably are tempted to think like the deists that, you know, he just goes from place to place in the universe, and he spins things into motion, and then he goes off and does the next thing. But I want you to know that God is very involved in your life and is extremely interested in the minute details of your life and lives. He cares so much about us He's very close to us, and we tend to forget it. And I would just like you to know how close he is. You know, there's another verse in the Bible similar to our scripture reading. It's easy to remember. Jeremiah 23, 23. If you've got your Bibles, Jeremiah 23, 23. I am a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God far off. I've never heard anyone say that that's a memory verse we should remember, but I think it's a wonderful verse. Have you ever felt like God was too far away? He's promising us, I am a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God far off. He's close to us. You know, sometimes I forget until something happens providentially to remind me that God is a God near at hand. You've maybe heard about this, um, this theory that... Uh, that we are all really no more than six degrees apart by separation. And what that really means is six degrees of separation is a concept that there are no two people in the world that really are separated by more than six introductions of someone that you know that knows someone that knows someone. And you do that six times and you could theoretically connect to everybody on the planet. We're not really that far apart. Quick story to illustrate how that works. Last year, family went on, um, not even quite a year ago, family went on a little mission trip to Central America, mixed it with some vacation, took Karen and the boys, went to the country of Belize, did some preaching, saved some time for some diving. We, we've all, the younger bachelors have got our scuba licenses. For that matter, Daniel also has his license. And wanted to take some time. So we went to this place we found that was at south end of Belize, driving down dirt roads for long ways, found this resort out in the middle of nowhere, but some good diving areas, and it was wonderful. Checked in, went out on the beach, and, um, you know, so have you ever wished you could kind of get away from it all? There's a little part of me that's a hermit, if you didn't know that. 
And uh, so for me, that was very attractive to just, oh. and I don't like being cold. And um, you've had beautiful weather here. I still have two pairs of socks on. But um, it was so nice because I put on a bathing suit, went down from the hotel to the beach there on the Gulf of Mexico, laid down on a cushioned lounge chair, wasn't very windy, light breeze, warm water lapping, not hot, not cold. I just laid there and thought, ah, peace. And uh, I can finally relax. Well, I was in a lounge chair. Karen was in a lounge chair next to me. And there's nobody on the beach. And we're all by ourselves. Kids were out on a dock up the beach somewhere else. And these two people came walking up the beach. And as they came by, the man, it was a husband and wife, he stops and he says to his wife, he said, honey, there's Doug and Karen Batchelor. <laughs> you had to be there. <laughs> because for one thing, you know, I don't usually like get out there in just a bathing suit in public. <laughs> you know, Joe Cruz wrote about me swimming, and so I kind of looked both ways. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no one knows me here. <laughs> it's personal. You didn't get it. Anyway, <laughs> but there's more to the story. We introduced ourselves, very nice couple, introduced ourselves to them. I had their name on my desk at home, and I thought, I need to call these folks I'll do it when we get back from our vacation. <laughs> I had never called them before. Now I run into them at the remote corner of the world out in the middle of nowhere. What are the chances of that? And it turned out to be one of those providential meetings and they're, they're dear friends today. So many things happen every day that we take for granted and God is trying to tell us that He's real that he's a God close at hand, and he is interested in the small things in your life. Can I tell you another story? You may think these are silly, but for me, I think sometimes God has to do things like this for me to realize that he's real. I play racquetball with a friend, and I have a, um, a can that I put my racquetballs in. It's just a plastic can. You can screw the lid on. It actually keeps them pressurized, keeps your racquetballs fresh. Because nobody ever wants to play with a stale racquetball, right? It's like stale tofu. Uh, so you, but it's got an O-ring on it, a little rubber seal. And so I was finishing a game with a friend one day, and I put my racquetball back in to keep it fresh. And I'm putting the lid down. And all of a sudden, it popped. And I took the lid off, and the seal blew out. I thought, I said to my friend, well, I guess I've got to buy another racquetball can because the seal's blown out. And he looks at it and he says, well, you know, my job is that I also repair jacuzzis and I happen to have a couple of seals in the back of my truck. Let's go see. You know how many size O-rings there are out there? You men know what I'm talking about? There's like an infinite number of O-ring possibilities. And the fact that my friend just happened to have in the back of his truck the exact O-ring that fit my can so I didn't have to pay $11 shows me the Lord loves me. 
It was a perfect size. Still there today. You're not convinced. One more story. <laughs> Maybe two or three. I was traveling this year, and I use a GPS. Most of it's in my car right now. And um, it's very helpful because not all rental cars have a GPS in them. And, you know, you go new places, it's easy to get lost, or if you miss an appointment after flying somewhere. So I take this little portable GPS with me, and it, it's great. It kept me out of a lot of trouble. Um, rushing for a plane one day, I'm unpacking the rental car, trying to quickly get to the shuttle, and there's a little suction cup that holds my GPS to the front of the car. I always cover up the RPM because I never really pay attention to that anyway. And it wasn't until I got to the ticket counter and I realized it was too late, I had forgot to pack the suction cup. And I thought, oh. And I was so sad, it really bummed me out. And I thought, Lord, is there any chance that the rental car company will like search me out and send it to me? Oh, not much chance of that. Well, next day I had a staff meeting. So I'm sitting around Central Church with our pastors. We've got our church and a church we planted, so there's about eight of us around the table. And I don't know what possessed me to mention it. We were t uh, talking about, you know, being cheerful even in trial. I thought, you know, I almost let it ruin my day that I lost my suction cup for my GPS. <laughs> and I managed to get over it. And, and one of the guys at the table, one of our pastors, he said, Doug, you, you're talking about those suction cups that you, like, you know, stick the GPS to the dash of the car? I said, yeah. He said, well, I don't know, but he said, I got to tell you something interesting. He said, I went to a Salvation Army store and I bought a used piece of luggage. It was in pretty good shape. Great deal. Like $5. So I took it home and said, and in one of the pockets was a GPS suction cup. <laughs> I'll be right back. I would not, I didn't even think to do this, except I told you I had part of it in my car. What are, what are the chances? You know how many GPSs there are out there that this little knob is going to be the exact model of mine? And he finds it in a used piece of luggage the day after I lost mine, and I just happened to mention... That little detail, is there a God? Does he care? Does he care more about O-rings and suction cups than he does about you? If God cares that much about those little details in our life, then how much does he care about whether or not you're going to be saved? If he loves you so much, that he doesn't want you to have to buy a new suction cup for your GPS, then does he love you enough for you to, to go to heaven? I mean, maybe I, I'm the only one that thinks that way, but to me, it's just such as powerful evidence, first of all, that these things aren't coincidences. There has to be a God. And I didn't pray about the O-ring and the suction cup. Well, sort of. 
if complaining is prayer. <laughs> the Lord is real, and I think we're tempted to forget that. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, God is a God at hand. He is not a God far off. His kingdom is not far off. There's a man who came to Jesus when he was teaching one day. Mark 12, verse 28. Those of you who have your Bibles. Mark 12, 28. Then one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together. He heard the scribes were kind of arguing with Jesus, and he listened to the brilliant answers Jesus gave, and that he answered them well. And he said to the Lord, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This, Jesus said, is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to Jesus, well said, teacher, you've spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but He, and to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. This man was searching for truth, and Jesus said, You're not far. Wouldn't you like to hear the Lord say, you're not far? You know, we don't really know what happened with this scribe. He could have been among the ones who were baptized during Pentecost, said a number of the priests, and that would also include some of the scribes, came to faith. But he said, you're not far from the kingdom. As a matter of fact, when Jesus began preaching, and when John the Baptist began preaching, what was the first thing that came out of their mouths? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What do you think at hand means? It means within reach. He might be the God who manages the cosmos. And keep in mind, it's only 25 billion light years across from what we can see. It could be 10 times bigger, but how would we know? We once thought that there was a black spot out there in the sky. We found out it was full. So think about how infinite His creation is. But then Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Eternal life is within reach of everybody here. Think about that. What would be more important than that? John the Baptist, Jesus both began, first thing, repent. Let's turn from our selfishness and our sin. Why? Heaven is within reach. Why would you turn away from heaven? For the passing pleasures of this world. But some have done it. If you go to the book of Mark, chapter 10, and this is especially relevant here at a university, verse 17, and by the way, you'll find this story in Matthew 19 and also Luke 18. Now as Jesus was going on the road, one came running and knelt before him and said, Good teacher, what shall I do that I might have eternal life? Tells us he was a young man, a wealthy man. 
And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. And I like this verse, verse 21. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I would like to have seen that look. Does he only feel that way about that young ruler years ago, or does he feel that way about you? He was asking about, what do I do to have eternal life? Like that scribe a moment earlier. How many of you want to know the answer to that question for yourself? I'd like to live forever. And, uh, you know, as you get older, you become more and more painfully aware of your mortality. When I was the age of a lot of the young people here at the school, I didn't know if I'd live to be 30. That seemed like an eternity. Looking at him, he loved him. And he said, one thing you lack. Well, you've got to be close to everlasting life if you got it down to one thing left. I wish I could feel I only had one thing left. Needed sanctification in my life. One thing you lack. So go your way. Sell whatever you have. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. And come take up your cross and follow me. You know what that one thing was? He said, love me first. Love me most. But he was sad at this word. And he went away for he had great possessions. Oh, I left a word out. He went away grieved. He went away sad. For he had great possessions. Doesn't it seem strange? You'd think if you went away from somewhere with great possessions, you'd go away happy. But he went away with great possessions sad. Because the Lord says, what profit is it if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? And you know, this would be, this would be one of my appeals uh, during our brief time this weekend, especially for the, the students that are here, is I've been all over the world. I've tried all kinds of things. I, half of it's not in the book. <laughs> Some of it I can't write. Trying to figure out what is the purpose of life? What matters? What brings happiness? And after I coalesced everything down, I came up with there's only one thing that really matters. You know, uh, if you're older, they call it a bucket list. And that's, I guess, the word comes from when you realize you're going to get old and kick the bucket. Before you kick the bucket, what do you want to do? I think that's where that comes from. What's in your bucket list? That means what exciting thing do you want to do before you get too old to do it? Do you, where do you want to travel? Is there some place you want to go? Something great you want to accomplish? I was curious last week, and um, I, I asked our congregation. I just kind of opened it up. I'm not going to do that now. I learned my lesson. But I, I opened it up to try and say, I'm not asking for the, you know, the hyper-spiritual answer, but if there was something on the world, like is there a mountain you wanted to climb, or is this their dream house that you wish that you could someday own? Or, I mean, in our minds, let's face it, we all have dreams for this life. After the message, one lady came up to me, and she was about 60, and she said, Pastor Doug, I didn't want to raise my hand, but let me tell you, in my bucket list, I want to ride the winning horse in the Kentucky Derby. I've wanted that all my life. 
and she was standing next to a girlfriend of hers about the same age, and she said, I want to own the winning horse in the <laughs> Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Have you ever thought there's something, like for instance, I remember once thinking, I began to travel so much, I said, I'd like to make it to all 50 states before I die. And I was so excited when I got to Hawaii a few, or Alaska a few years ago, I've been to Hawaii a long time ago, and now I've made it to 49 states. And I haven't made it to North Dakota yet. And for the life of me, other than fulfilling my bucket list, I can't think of any good reason. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. There's some nice people up there. I take that back. If you're, I didn't mean that. Strike that from the record. Delete. <laughs> people in North Dakota are going to write me. But from what I heard, there's just, you know, a lot of grain and coal up there. But uh, one of these days, I'll, uh, the, the Lord now is going to work something out. You know what's going to happen? I'll be flying home. My plane is going to get detoured because of some mechanical problem, and they're going to land in North Dakota. Do you have a list? Come on, especially young people. Would you admit that there's some things that you especially would like to do before you go? At least in this life, you know? Scuba dive. Fly, or I talked to a friend here on camp. He said, we just started taking flying lessons. Always something we wanted to do. And I mean, I think it's good. The Lord puts things in our hearts like that. What would be the most important thing that you would want to accomplish in this life before you're gone? That's a big question. Would you let me, would you let me give you a biblical, spiritual answer to that question now? Number one on your bucket list, your adventure list should be the most important thing in the world. What a shame that you should live your life and never do this thing. If you live your life and you never experience love, that'd be really sad. Because God is love. And if you were to say, what is the most important thing? You read 1 Corinthians 13, he said, Now abideth faith and hope and love. But the greatest of these is what? It's love. If you go through your life and you don't experience God's love, now chickens will love their chicks. I'm not talking about that kind of love. Parents will love their kids. I'm not talking about that kind of love. I'm talking about the love where you know that you've experienced the love of God. That love, the Bible says, nothing can separate you from that love. We're not naturally born with it. I would think that if you could go on some pilgrimage or quest, if you were to go on some exotic adventure or some safari, you know what the most important quest and adventure you could ever go on is, I am going to seek after God. And you won't know you found Him until you know that you've been baptized in His love. That's code for baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because God is love. And only those who have experienced that before will know what I'm talking about. Many people go through their lives, how sad that they never experienced the love of God. What was the big question that Jesus had for Peter before he went to heaven? He didn't say, Peter, are you going to deny me again? Or Peter, are you going to be a better fisherman? Or Peter, are you going to become more refined and sophisticated? Or Peter, you could have said a thousand things. He summed it up into the most important question. Do you love me? He answered him. He asked him again. Do you love me? 
He answered, yes. He asked them again, do you love me? What kind of priority do you think that love has with Jesus? That would be the, the most important thing that we could experience would be the love of God. Because first of all, if you've got the love of God, is it easier to obey God if you love Him? It's a pleasure. Is it easier to serve God if you love Him? Everything else you do in life, all the other adventures, if you're doing it in the pursuit of God, but if you love anything more than God, like this young man we just read about, yeah, you may go away with the house and the adventure and a full bucket list, but you'll go away sad and empty if you have not experienced the love of God. Your life will be a wasted life. Who was it, Tennyson, that said, better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? If you were to lose every earthly possession and forfeit every earthly relationship, but you have a love relationship with God, you're a winner. So when you're thinking about your future, and I'm thankful to have a number of people from the community here, but I'm especially talking to the young people. When you're thinking about your future and what you want to achieve and what God's plan might be for you, if you ever have made a list, well, lists aren't bad. Before Karen and I got married, we, we went down a checklist to see how compatible we were. And you might have a list of things that you'd like to do and accomplish in your life. Nothing wrong with that. They got, I've got a friend I play racquetball with, and he's a life coach. That's probably a good thing. Some people need some coaching with their lives. All kinds of different life coaches. Some will coach you in how to organize your stuff. And some will coach you in how to organize your time and prioritize. And, and I've always wanted to take a time management seminar, but I've just never had time. <laughs> and then you've got some life coaches who organize you. This my friend was more specifically. He helped people. He was a life coach when it came to their health. I met him at a health club. That would make sense. And I've decided that when I retire, I'm going to coach life coaches. No, I just made that up. But I thought, who coaches the life coach? <laughs> What's the most important coaching that someone could give you about planning your life? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added. Search for him with all of your heart, and then you'll find him. He's not very far away. Bible tells us the kingdom of God is right here at hand. It's within the reach of all of us. Do you believe that, friends? Now, we already know that trouble is not far away. How many believe that trouble is not far away? Temptation is not far away. It seems like uh, we've got to pray every day, part of the Lord's Prayer. You notice it says, give us this day our daily bread. The reason it says daily bread is because it's a daily prayer. And part of that is, lead us not into temptation. Why? Because it's always ever-present. The devil is vigilant, and he's active, and we need to be sober and vigilant because he's going around seeking whom he might devour. And uh, just being aware keeps you on your toes. Trouble's not far away. And I don't mean to spook you, but I think we all know life is a gift very fragile. Death can always be near at hand. 
doesn't always happen the traditional way. Sometimes people are surprised by it. I remember reading about the Apollo missions and when Neil Armstrong was first bouncing around on the surface of the moon, they were getting used to the low gravity. And I don't remember if any of you remember seeing some of that old black and white footage or of, or it may have even been color, it was pretty sketchy though, of them, they're walking around, it's like they're, you know, super jumps. It's all delayed. And at one point, one of them stumbled and he did a, hit his knees and then his, he did a, what you call a face plant, except he had a helmet on on the moon, and if you were in the Houston Center at that time, you would have heard an audible gasp because they were having so much fun jumping around that they were forgetting that those suits that they were wearing were just very thin rubber. And uh, Neil Armstrong said that he forgot for a moment that there was a quarter inch of rubber between him and eternity. And we all kind of live that way, don't we? We're surrounded with possible tragedies, and that's why some people sell life insurance. Help is not very far away. It's only a prayer away. Psalm 22, verse 11, be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. God promises my help isn't far away. We've just got to ask him. Another quick story. This last year, I was traveling got on an airplane, walking down the aisle, uh, one of our church members was there, and uh, she said, Pastor Doug, and she was, you know, already seated with her companions. I said, hi, good to see you, sister, and I went down, sat down, then got off the plane in uh, Salt Lake City, I believe, and she stopped me. She said, you know, uh, this is an answer to prayer. She said, for a couple reasons. One, I am terrified of flying, and I was on the plane praying before it took off, and just so nervous, and <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I hope you won't misunderstand this story, and she was there wringing her hands praying. If she was a Catholic, she would have been counting her beads, and she said, then I saw my pastor walk by. <laughs> And she said, oh, thank you, Lord. I know the plane can't crash now because Pastor Doug's on the plane. <laughs> now, you and I know that it could still crash, right? I didn't want to tell her that, but she thought it would be like having Jesus in the boat. It can't sink, you know. <laughs> but the other part of the prayer was she was going to see a friend that was finally open to Bible studies, and she said she forgot to take any literature with her. She said, do you happen to have anything? Well, I did. And you know, so then I gave her a book. And she said, I was praying those two things. That, oh, what am I going to share with my friend? And oh, Lord, I'm so afraid to fly. And I see examples all the time of how God answers my prayers when I need help in a thousand different ways. And he is so good. So prayer is not very far away. Healing is not far away. Perhaps you remember that woman who was struggling for years with a physical ailment, continual flow of blood, spent everything and on physicians and treatments, and then Jesus passed by. And she thought, if I can just reach out and take advantage of his being here, it can make all the difference in my life. 
And she pressed through the crowd. It didn't matter what everybody else was doing that day. And a lot of people were near Jesus and they didn't realize it. They're all bumping and jostling Jesus. He's right there. And they don't realize that's the Son of God. Finally, Christ stops the procession and says, somebody touched me. And the disciples thought that maybe he had been out in the sun too long. He said, Lord, you're being jostled by the crowd on every side. Why do you say someone touched me? He said, no, someone else reached out in faith. They knew how close I was and they took advantage of it. And they were healed. And I just want them to give the glory to God. And that's why that story is in the Bible, because Jesus stopped that day and said, someone realized how close I was and took advantage of it. That rich young ruler who walked away from Jesus, he was also very close to eternal life, and he walked away. How sad. He's not very far from any one of you right now. Help is close at hand. The Word of God is near. It's not like you don't know what God wants. I think it was Mark Twain who said, it's not the mysteries in the Bible that cause me sleepless nights. It's all the truth I know I should do. We like to argue about the things we can't figure out, and so we don't agree on the things that we do know. Moses said, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, that the word is near. For this commandment that I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven and bring it to us that we might hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. By the way, Jesus is the word. Amen? The word became flesh. The word is very near you. The word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Think about how exciting that is. He's here, where two or three gather in my name. He says, I'm there. Is he near now? His word, Christ is the word. He is here in his truth. He's present in this place, and he's speaking to all of us, saying, I've got a good plan for your life. And whatever you might be going through, I want you to know that I'm not far away. Even if you're going through a fiery furnace, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's saying, I'm in the furnace with you. You might be going through a storm out on the Sea of Galilee, and he's saying, I'm in the boat with you. I'm a God near at hand. I'm not far away. And I think we get all upset and worried, and you think God, that God of all those galaxies, is up in heaven, that he looks nervous? Is God wringing his hands about anything? You know, the only thing that I think God is maybe anxious about, don't even misunderstand that. He's desperate that you will accept him and trust him. I mean, he knows everything, but he yearns for us to be saved. And that's not really something that he says, you know, I can't do anything about it. He's done something about it. He came into this world. He crossed the spans of space so that he could come into this world and come into our lives and be in this place because he wants to save us. He is not a God far off. He is a God close at hand. The kingdom of heaven is within reach for each one of you. Nothing happens by chance. Even after you walk out of this place tonight, it's not like you leave God on campus or you leave him in a church. Or when the sun goes down, Saturday afternoon that God goes away. He is omnipresent. 
We just forget. That's the problem. We forget. And if we could remember how close He is and how real He is, then by faith, He begins to come alive in our lives again. He activates His power when we remember Him, when we reach out to Him, when we turn to Him, when we believe Him. Would you like to do that now? Is putting God first in your life, is seeking first His kingdom and His love, is that part of your adventure or your bucket list? Should be. I'm going to have prayer with you in just a moment. I'd like to invite our singers to come out. And they'll be sharing with you in song. And then I'd like to share a closing thought before we have prayer. One day Jesus was sitting by a well in Samaria and there was a woman there and uh, she was wondering about the stranger she was talking to and she said, you know, when Messiah comes, he's going to help us understand all these things and then Jesus just blew her away when he said, I that speak to you am he, right there talking to the Messiah and she didn't know it. Mary was weeping outside a tomb one day and she said to someone she thought was the gardener, if you've carried away his body, will you please tell me where you've laid him? And Jesus said, Mary, it's me. Next day, walking down the road to Emmaus, actually same day, talking to two disciples, I said, are you just a stranger in Jerusalem? They invited him home for something to eat. When he blessed the bread, their eyes were open. He said, had no idea that he was right there the whole time. And I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised to find out that God has been there watching us all along the way. We just forget his presence. I think he'd like to invite each one of us tonight to say, Lord, I don't want to take for granted your presence. I want to reach out and take hold of that kingdom that's within reach. Jesus' coming is near at hand, you know that. And that will be the physical kingdom of God, but right now the spiritual kingdom of God is within reach. Eternal life is within reach of everybody who comes just as they are. And as we, again, welcome this Sabbath and just renew our commitment to the Lord, I wonder if you'd like to join me with prayer and just say, Lord, help me to practice your presence. Help me to believe that you are with me wherever I go. Could we stand together and pray and ask him? Dear Father, as we gather before you right now, we sense your presence in this place. We also believe you're here because you've promised to be when, in a place where we come together in your name. But Lord, sometimes we forget, we get distracted, we become preoccupied with our horizontal concerns and the cares of this life and the goals and, and adventures of this world, and we forget the most important adventure, the most important thing that we could reach out for, your presence. Lord, I just pray that you would be with each person, uh, we know in a group like this that there's all kinds of, of dreams and 
all kinds of hopes, struggles, fears. But if we could just know that you're right beside us, Lord, we can face anything. I pray that you'll be with each person. Help them know that you'll guide them regarding your will because you've not left them. We just need to reach out and ask and pray and seek that you're there, that you're right at the door knocking, want to be let in. You are a God that is near, not a God far off. I pray for your blessing on this campus and the teachers and this community, Lord, and just fill us with your spirit. We know you're coming soon. We want to be revived and ready. Again, we thank you and praise you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.